Let's continue in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the opportunity we have to sing praise to your name tonight. How great you are. We come to say what Jeremiah said to himself. We pause to say, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Lord, your loving kindnesses never cease in our life. They never cease from generation to generation. We think of our children and our grandchildren. The loving kindnesses of the Lord will be there for them and to every generation until you come. We praise you for your loving kindnesses to all of us. We thank you, Lord, tonight. We praise you. Your compassions never fail. There's never a failure for you to be compassionate to us. You show compassion to the helpless and the broken. We pray for the foster children tonight and their conditions, for widows and for others who are in deep situations of helplessness. Your compassion and your mercy flow to all. They have flown, they have shown, they've been revealed to us. You've given us compassion. You've shown compassion to us. Your compassions never fail. They are new every morning. They're fresh every day. Thank you for your compassion for us in sending the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are our portion. We have hope in you. You are our portion. We are satisfied in you. We are satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. That is what we say to ourselves in our, in our troubles and trials. We pray for many of our people, some who just received news this week of the, the death of loved ones. We pray you'd be close to them. That's always for us all we know. Such deep sadness and hardship and difficulty. We pray for others who've received news about health and other things. And we, we pray for those who have experienced joy and blessing today. All of these things come from your hand. We thank you for it. You are a portion. And you are good to those who wait for you and to the one who seeks you. Your goodness, oh God, is eternal. And we praise you for it and we thank you. So we pray tonight, Lord, as we open your word, we, we pray that you would help us to understand more of your ways. Why do you do what you do when we suffer? Why are you doing this? Help us to understand this so that we might be able to walk in confidence and in trust and hope in you. May we learn from Jeremiah tonight so that we might help ourselves and others who are saying, why? Why, oh God? Why, oh God? We thank you for the blessings we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for all that you do for us and what a privilege it is for us to be together. Lord, we, many of our people, we, we seek tonight all over this campus to teach the Word of God and for people to grow in their relationship to you and to walk in, with their hearts turned towards you in holiness and joy. We pray for all the Bible studies that go on now, right now at the same time as we meet and other groups and our students and our children. Thank you for the blessing of us being together and thank you for the work you're doing in this church. 
And we pray that you're pleased by what we do. So now we ask, O oh Lord, that you would open our eyes to your word, open our eyes that we might see the wonderful things out of your law so that we might praise and honor and glorify you, whatever our condition. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, good to see all of you again tonight. Lamentations 3 is where we continue to walk these days, and I'm so glad that you're with us. And those of you who are listening online, I, I don't want to forget to say to you, may the Lord bless you. We know you're not able to be with us, but we're, 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 uh, we're grateful that you can join us um, in the way that we can do that these days. And we pray for you and we miss you. Let us know what we can do to help you. All the rest of you, the outlines are here if you don't have one. Lamentations 3 tonight, we talk about this very important principle of what, what are God's ways? What is God doing in suffering? What is He... What, it's, it's the question of all time. Why does God permit? Why does God allow suffering? Why does, why does God allow His own people, seemingly, to suffer the greatest? Why would He do that? Well, we've been here for a long time, and it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. So when you're in your suffering, you must change your thinking. And this is what we see in Lamentations. A review quickly. I've given you six things that we've talked about already. In chapter 1 of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 1 is the sorrow of, of Jerusalem. It's the sorrow of those who were unrepentant and who were disobedient, who finally the judgment of God came because they would not repent. And that's all of what we read about in detail. I don't even remember when we, when we started. Uh, but we, we looked in some detail at Lamentations chapter 1, and it is the sorrow of Jerusalem. And it is God's judgment that has finally come on unrepentant uh, Israel. Secondly, we saw that the holy and the unholy suffer during times of judgment. All through the Word of God we see this. We see it throughout Scripture that when the judgment of God comes... Uh, when it comes upon sin, there are those who are God's people who are also caught in the same uh, situation and circumstances. And so we begin to see Jer uh, Jeremiah in his very important ministry. Now we see Jeremiah coming out of this. These are his lamentations. As I reminded you all, when you read the title of this book, The Lamentations of Jeremiah, these are not the lamentations of unrepentant uh, Israel. These are the lamentations of the holy man, uh, of the prophet of God, Jeremiah. They teach us about lamenting in our suffering or lamenting with others in their suffering as God's people, as holy people. So that's why these things are important. Third, holy sufferers uh, lament for the unrepentant who remain in their sinfulness. This is it. Do we weep? Do we cry? Are we burdened for those who live in such sinfulness in their lives. We, we read it, and I'm, I'm repeating this because I want to again remind us, uh, God's people are at their best when our hearts are broken for the sin of the world. Uh, God's people are at their best. So what does uh, Jeremiah say? Chapter 1, 16, For these things I weep, my eyes run down with water, because... Far from me is a comforter, who, one who restores my soul. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Do you weep? Do you grieve? 
Are you burdened about the lostness of the world? It's the place our children are brought up. It's the place where our grandchildren are brought up. It's the values and pressures, the world and all of its traps and the devil's rulership and control over it and all of these things. All around us, we see the wickedness and the lostness of people. What does it do to our hearts? How can the church be hard-hearted at the sinful wickedness and godlessness of the world? When you see someone, I call it, acting out in their sin. You know, people do that. There are a lot of people that do outrageous things to act out in their sin, just like your kids act out. And if you look carefully as a believer at them, you're not judging, but you see they're acting out because they have no hope. They're acting out because they don't know what to do. They're acting out because they're trying to find some satisfaction and convince themselves that they're all right when they're not. Do we grieve? Do we pray? Is there ever a tear in our eye for those who are lost in their sin and don't want to get right with God? Holy sufferers lament their suffering condition as a part of God's will for their life. This is a very large issue, folks. This is a big issue. Uh, as I've said, God's best suffer the most. God's best suffer the most. Why would it be that way? Why would God do this in this way? What is the purpose of this? Why would, he, why would this world be filled with such misery from suffering? It's everywhere. And then we talked about this whole matter. And this is where we are in chapter 3. We've come now to, and I'm using this language, holy lament. You can have sorrow over your sin, but not godly sorrow. This is not godly sorrow that leads to repentance. This is, this is a holy man who is right with God, who's been obedient to God. By the way, 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah. 50 If you've not read it in a while... I know some of our women's Bible study groups are looking at Jeremiah. Get your sack lunch. You're going to be there for a while. 52 chapters. And this man was faithful to God. And yet he now finds himself in a city completely destroyed and the temple destroyed and the enemy everywhere. And he is suffering himself. He's not exempt from the sufferings. He suffers himself. We suffer. This false teaching that if I'm right with God, I'll never suffer is a lie. It's not taught in the Word of God. So holy suffering, how do we, how do we then lament? How do we work our way through our suffering? Well, this is what we do, and we help our friends with this. So number five, holy lament includes self-talk. When I'm, when I'm working through my suffering, I talk to myself about my suffering. Uh, I talk to myself. I reflect on God's nature and ways, and then I pray. That's the order. That's what we're learning here in this. We've, we've parked somewhat here in uh, uh, Lamentations 3 because this is so critical for us all to learn. So we read uh, this, man's, this holy man's um, holy lament as he speaks to himself. We read it before, you remember? 
Surely, verse 20, my soul remembers and is bowed down within me in my suffering. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. And then the Lord's loving kindness never ceases, compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him and to the person who seeks him. And then he begins to talk to himself about here's why it's good for me to suffer. It is good that I wait silently. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke. The yoke is our suffering. Bear the yoke. Let him sit alone. That is, it's your personal suffering. You know, people can say to you, well, I know how you feel, but they really don't know how you feel. Only you know how you feel. And for those of us who've become so sanctimonious that we say, well, you know, feelings don't matter. Feelings really do matter. And holy emotions are a very real thing. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have holy emotions. And they're real emotions. And so we... We have all of this going on, so I'm saying to you, as you work on your sufferings in the days ahead in your life, you have to sit down and you have to talk with yourself and you have to reflect on, notice the nature of God, His loving kindness, His compassion, His faithfulness. These are the things He's focused on. And now tonight we come to His reflecting on and thinking about the ways of God in suffering. <clears throat> You see, holy sufferers lament their suffering condition as a part of God's will for their lives. And it leads to hopefulness in God. So there are two words. Now, as English readers of the Bible, you may not pick these words out. It's not easy. If you, you so I'm pulling them out for you from, from the Hebrew. We have these various names for God all through. The wonderful, glorious study. Sometime perhaps we should do this together and look at the great names of God in the Old Testament. So you have Yahweh, as we've seen. Remember, Yahweh, English readers, as in your Bible, it's always completely all uppercase letters, L-O-R-D. Uh, some of your old King James, Jehovah is a translation used, a way to describe it. It is the word for God in His covenant relationship with us. Yahweh. Yahweh. So all the way through, we've been reading about the Lord. You see it in verse 22. Yahweh's loving kindness never cease. Yahweh is my portion. Yahweh is good to those, verse 25, who wait for Him. But now we find ourselves coming to these words, and this is our focus for tonight, beginning in verse number 31. For the Lord will not reject forever. But wait a minute. Notice in your Bible carefully. Uh, the, uh, this is why everything matters when you read. Uh, here you have uppercase L and lowercase O-R-D. Now we read the word Adonai. Adonai. For Adonai will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant Loving kindness, for he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land to deprive a man of justice in the presence of, as it's translated in our Bibles, many of the most high. It is, it is this word Elyon, the name of God, Elyon. In the presence of Elyon to defraud a man in his lawsuit of these things, Elyon does not approve. So here now, Jeremiah, these are not names for different gods. These are names to describe the character and quality of who God is. 
So we'll look at that. And I've, I've, I've purposefully given you the outline emphasizing these names of God. So number one, Adonai, the Lord God, does not permanently reject his children in their suffering is the first lesson. Number two, Adonai, the Lord God, lovingly grieves his children in their suffering. And then three, Adonai, the Lord God, does not afflict his children cruelly, but purposefully in their suffering. And then finally, Elyon, the Most High God, Elyon, Elyon, does not approve of cruelty and injustice between people. So this is what we'll spend our time talking about tonight. So as we, as we see these words, we're now introduced to uh, what is this? What is Jeremiah doing? Jeremiah is thinking about God in all of his, in all of his glory and his nature, but now he uses names of God that describe, listen to me, the ways of God. Many of the names of God in uh, the Old Testament, the God who sees, the God who provides, all of these, um, you know, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, you know, all of these names, they all describe the ways of God. Whereas Yahweh is the covenant name. It is the name, the name of names of God in his covenant relationship with Israel. And as he sent the Lord Jesus Christ, the name above all names. So there's much in this for us and, and we'll uh, do some of that as time goes by. So first of all, Adonai means master. There are some times when, uh, the, uh, when uh, the, the rabbis, because the name Yahweh is so holy, uh, holy is the name, we'll be talking about that in the days ahead as the Lord teaches us to pray. We pray holy is His name, hallowed be His name. The, the name Yahweh is so holy and glorious that when, when it is written, it's written without the vowels. Only the consonants in Hebrew. So you find in the Hebrew text of the Old Testament when Yahweh is being mentioned, it's sometimes the, it's so, the, the rabbis feel so overwhelmed by the holiness of God in Yahweh, they just substitute Adonai. But the word itself, Adonai, is a word that means Lord of Lords. It is a word that, that has to do with Master. The master. And so Adonai is Lord in all of his ways and actions. He's perfect in them. So what do we see, my friends, tonight about our Lord who is Adonai? Well, the Lord God, Adonai, does not permanently reject his children in their suffering. So as a pastor, I don't know how many times in my life I've sat with people and in my own suffering, I've sat and said, how long is this going to last? How long will I go through this? What has he just said to us in verses 26 to, 30, uh, to 31? It is good that we wait silently. This is why we're in our suffering. It is good for us that we bear the yoke, our suffering. We, it is, let, us sit, let him sit alone, be silent. Since God lays this on him and let him put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. What's the smiter? It's suffering. Suffering hits us. Suffering beats us. Let him be filled with reproach. And then four. Notice the change. Four. A conclusion. 
for the Lord will not reject forever. The Lord will not reject forever. Jeremiah declares that the Lord God, Adonai, does not reject His people permanently. So I want you now to keep your finger here in Lamentations, and I want to give you a, a, place, a, a, a place for you to mark in your Bible, and I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 77 for just a moment. I want to give some, a little bit of instruction about this. By the way, the word reject is the word that means to forcibly, to push away, to treat something as if it stinks, it's stench. For the Lord will not reject. He will not push away. He will not throw you out. He will not push you aside. Now he's speaking to those who are his people. He's speaking to his children. He's talking about those who have hope in God. Sadly, those, as we know from our Lord, who will not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be separated from him for eternity. But this is for all of us who are followers of Jesus. This is very important. This is very precious to us. For the Lord will not reject forever. Now, Psalm 77, just for you to have something for your own life as you're dealing with this or talking with someone else in their troubles. Psalm 77 is a comfort in trouble and it recalls God's mighty works. Remember, we're talking tonight about what is God doing in my suffering? Well, Adonai does not permanently reject his people. God does not permanently reject His people. So we see over in Psalm 77, and I picked up in your notes and gave you verse 7. But notice in verse 2, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. Alright. In the day of your trouble, who did you seek? In the day of your trouble, who did you seek? In the day of my trouble... I checked my bank account. In the day of my trouble, <clears throat> I went to my family. In the day of my trouble, I sat down and made my own plan. In the day of your trouble. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I was disturbed. You see, he was troubled as a holy man of God. Asaph, he's saying... I'm thinking of God and yet I'm in this condition of trouble. I'm just disturbed. And then he comes down and he uses, he uses a device that I want you to use and I want to use in my life. When you have trouble, when you're suffering, use these questions in your suffering. Look at them. They start in verse 7. Will the Lord... My spirit ponders, he said, verse 6, I will remember my song in the night and I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Here's what you meditate on in your suffering. Not how long or why is it me and what is this doing and woe is me and look at me and all me, 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 me. No. Will the Lord reject forever? No. And will he never be favorable again? No. Has His loving kindness ceased forever? No. Has His promise come to an end forever? No. Has God forgotten to be gracious? No. Has God forgotten or has He, or, or has he in anger withdrawn His compassion? No. No. Look, you see, this is what Jeremiah is doing. <clears throat> He's been thinking about the goodness, the loving kindness, the faithfulness, 
the compassion of God in great suffering. We cannot fathom the suffering of Jeremiah. Enormous suffering. Oh, so troubled. How he loved Israel. How he loved them as he tried to preach to them and they never listened. And to see them <clears throat> walk away from God and be utterly destroyed by the judgment of God through Babylon <clears throat> broke his heart. And then in Psalm 77, 14, he breaks out. He says, you are the God who works wonders and you have made known your strength among the peoples and you have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The word means pause right there. Think about this. When you have Selah, when you have Selah as your device in your Psalms, it is stop, pause, think about this, meditate on this. Just as a side note, as you read the Psalms, the Word of God gives you cues on where to meditate. Where you stop your reading. Slow down and stop. And so for some of us, the most important thing we could do in our suffering is remind ourselves of this great truth. Psalm ninety-four, fourteen: The Lord will not abandon His people, nor will He forsake His inheritance. As Hebrews, uh, Paul the Apostle says in Hebrews, reminding those Jewish believers, as I remind all of us tonight and all of our, if you want to give up, if you want to walk away, if it's too hard, what is the promise? I will never desert you. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And what did our Lord say? Finally, before He ascended, I am with you always. Have we been rejected in our suffering? Has God thrown us aside like something that stinks as trash and useless? No. Secondly, Adonai lovingly grieves his children in their suffering. I've tried to put these words together for you carefully. For Now we're back in Lamentations 3. This is what we don't understand in the mystery of God. That our master, see that's the right word, Adonai our master would lovingly grieve us by giving us sufferings, permitting sufferings. So we see for if he causes grief or when he causes grief, it can read in the Hebrew, when he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. So what did... David say, Psalm 31, 9, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. Have you ever prayed that? My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. Notice what happens. Grief is real in our suffering, folks. This is, uh, this is so important. When uh, C.S. Lewis's wife died, he wrote a little book called A Grief Observed. And it's simply his uh, story about a grief observed. This is what grief looks like, is what C.S. Lewis was saying. It's a little book, but I would recommend it to you. It's a, along with his little book on um, the problem of pain. They're both outstanding. They're just a little tiny, but they're very good. So if he causes grief... Think about the grief that comes from suffering. Life changes. People are gone. Resources are 
lost. Friendships are broken. Jobs are changed and lost. Transitions come. Health changes. Grief. Grief. You see, God's purposes bring suffering to God's children to produce grief. This is quite interesting. Grief helps me to, as a holy person, as a follower of Jesus, one who suffers as a Christian, it helps me to understand that grief is part of the sadness of our world and its fallen nature. Grief is everywhere. Misery, misery is everywhere. What does Lamentations 1.5 say? Her adversaries have become her master. Her enemies prosper for the Lord has caused her grief because of the multitude of her transgressions. I can be in grief because I have sinned. My sins bring great grief in my life. But I can also be living for God and experience grief in my sufferings when it seems that all I'm trying to do is serve the Lord. So we come back to Hebrews 12, which many in this room are very familiar with. Hebrews chapter 12 is the discipline of God. You know, when we discipline our children, they're grieved. They're grieved by it. They, 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 there's grief that comes in discipline. And discipline is a part, suffering comes as a part of the discipline of God in our lives. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, to be filled with grief. Yet to those who have been trained by what? By, by discipline and trained by sorrow. Sorrow trains us. I don't want to suffer. If this is, as a man said, if this is what God does, I want no part to do with this God. Okay. And so they walk away. God is a God of love. He should never put us through this. But if He loves you, He will put you through it. Because He loves you. You see, the discipline for the moment seems not joyful but sorrowful. The discipline of sufferings. But when we're trained by it, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. And God's loving discipline in the suffering of His children produces holiness, as we go on to read. For our fathers disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, so that we may share His holiness. So consider this tonight. My suffering produces sorrowful grief, sometimes because of sinfulness. But sometimes my, sorrow, my suffering produces sorrowful grief while I'm living in right relationship with God. The Lord Jesus was a man of sorrows, as the prophet says. A man of sorrows acquainted with much grief. The Lord was always much with the Father in prayer, as we're talking about on Sunday mornings. He offered up prayers with strong crying and tears. Hebrews tells us. The Lord Jesus wept as He prayed and He wept in His life. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the hard-heartedness of those who rejected Him. Grief softens your heart. If you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't harden it. But we find many people in the world hardened by their circumstances. My suffering as I've said at the bottom of your page there, 
is for my spiritual good. My suffering. So I stand before you and testify, my suffering is for my spiritual good. Whatever it is. Whatever God chooses for me to suffer is for my spiritual good as I seek to walk with Him. God's abundant compassion, uh, compassionate love comforts His children in their sufferings. Uh, the Septuagint, I've given you that and just in case. Septuagint, it's the uh, Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. I just gave you this rendering of it so it, you could read it here alongside It's uh, as we're reading here. Uh, for the Lord will not reject forever, for if He causes grief, then He will have compassion according to His loving kindness. So here it is. He has he is he has uh, he that has brought down brought them down will pity he'll show pity he'll show loving kindness compassion we've talked about before is this tender affection that is connected to abundant loving kindness what else do we need what else do we need hebrews 12:6 for those whom the lord loves he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives it is for discipline you endure god deals with you as sons for what is what son is there among you? Uh, what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So we see this comfort, this comfort of God's loving compassion and his abundance in it comes as we're suffering. You'll never know the abundant loving kindness of God until you suffer. We talk about it when we're happy. Oh, I'm so good that God loves me. But it doesn't really mean anything to you until you suffer and the Lord comes and the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in your heart and you see the greatest of all joys is to be loved by God the Father. Thank you, Sean, and thank you all of our leaders tonight. You're a good, good father. Amen? You're a good, good father. So, uh, the Lord God does not afflict His children cruelly. Sometimes we say, the Lord God is just cruel. How cruel is this? How cruel is this? That we would read such as, uh, you know, uh, these, these terrible words, uh, my eyes fail, this is chapter 211, my eyes fail because of tears, my spirit's greatly troubled, because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. When little ones and infants faint in the streets of the city and they say to their mothers, where's the grain and wine as they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. Real loss and death of children in Jerusalem. Is God cruel? Does God sit to do this in order to be cruel? No, Adonai does not afflict us as His children to be cruel, but to accomplish His purposes. As the Septuagint says, He does not bring down in anger. God's wrath is not toward us. His love is toward us, so He disciplines us. And to afflict, this word to afflict, He does not afflict is the word that means to make us sad. To make us downcast. So Psalm 119, 67. I've just given them to you in a row. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Notice, so let's read the difference. Before I was, before I suffered, I went astray. But now I keep your word. 
Look at the result of what suffering does. Uh, 119.71, it was good for me that I was afflicted. It's good for me that I suffered. See, this is what you say when, you're, when you've been in suffering and you understand God's purposes for suffering for your life. It was good for me that I was afflicted that I may learn your statutes. First, keep your statute, keep your word, and now learn God's word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous. And that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. See, we sing, great is your faithfulness out of Lamentations 3. But God's faithfulness is not always in the rescue. God's faithfulness is in the midst of the trial and the troubles and the sorrow. So tonight I remind you that we do not have a God of cruelty. The God of the Bible is not the, is not the God like those Greek mythological gods who caused themselves and fight, fought with each other and were cruel to human beings. No. You see, Adonai, as we've just seen in these three principles, Adonai does not permanently reject his children in their suffering. Notice I did not say Adonai does not permanently remove their suffering. He does not reject his children in their suffering. Now, I've said this to you and I say it again. Some have to suffer their whole life and there's no end to it. So God is greatly, abundantly filled with love and compassion for them and there's no answer as to why they suffer without any relief. It's in the hands of God. It is His purposes. The Lord God lovingly grieves His children and the Lord God does not, He's not cruel. But he is purposeful in his suffering. Now we come to this transition. It's a hard thing to read in the English because it seems that he's, it's, he's speaking about God, but he's actually not. Now Jeremiah turns this upon uh, the way people, how different people are from the way God is. And he speaks about the most high God. Why most high? Because this is the one who is above all things. He is Elyon, the highest. Elyon, the highest. There's no one higher. There's no one higher. There's no one greater. He is Elyon, the highest, the highest ruler. There's no ruler above him. We know Elyon is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who reigns. Name above all names. Elyon is the Lord Jesus. And so here the highest. Notice how the highest responds to the cruelty and injustice among people. The Most High God. So I've given you some words here. To crush is the word to break. So to break under his feet all the prisoners of the land. He's, he's now breaking in and describing the conditions of cruelty and suffering that are going on. All the prisoners of the land to deprive a man of justice. The, the, the word prisoner is captive or bond slave. To deprive means to turn aside or pervert. And the word justice is the word, an act of deciding a case or litigation. So you have these three examples that are given here of uh, abuse in 34, of those who are bound and uh, depriving justice, uh, perverting justice for someone in the presence of God, and to defraud someone or pervert or 
false, uh, falsify a lawsuit. Uh, of these things the Lord does not approve. So notice, to crush under His feet, that is to do this in, under the feet of God, under the, under the feet of the Most High, to crush others. And then as He describes in... Uh, as he describes then in number 35, in the presence of the Most High to deprive a man of justice and then uh, to defraud a man of these things, the Lord does not approve. So the Most High God does not approve of crushing the crushing of prisoners. I give you from Isaiah 3 here just an example. Woe to the wicked. It will go badly with him for what he deserves will be done to him. The Lord enters into judgment with the elders and princes of His people. It is you, it is you who have devoured the vineyard and, the pl and plundered, and the plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing, same word, breaking my people and grinding the face of the poor? Declares the Lord God of hosts. You see, the Most High God sees sees how those in power treat those who have no power. And He does in this world today. He sees. He sees those who have power and how they treat those who have no power. This, this is a gospel issue. This is not a political issue. This has nothing to do with your political party. This has to do with the righteousness or unrighteousness of human beings toward others. And these are the things that ought to disturb us as God's people. The Most High God does not approve of depriving a man of justice. Psalm, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 17, 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous. Please hear this now. Both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Justifying the wicked? Condemning the righteous? And the Most High God does not approve of defrauding a man in his lawsuit. Jeremiah 22.3, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Also, do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. The Most High God sees it. And the Most High God is not pleased with it. In fact, this word reads um, in verse number 36, To defraud a man in his lawsuit of these things the Lord does not take heart. The Lord does not see. He will not accept or receive. So tonight we see these wonderful truths about God's ways in suffering. Why is God, what is God doing when I'm suffering? Well, first of all, He is, he is Adonai and He is not going to reject you in your suffering ever as a child of God. Adonai will lovingly grieve us and use our sufferings in order for His purposes that He wishes to accomplish so that we might share in His holiness and, 
Adonai does not afflict his children cruelly. We do not have a cruel God. We have a glorious, loving, wonderful. His loving kindnesses never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. The sun sat on your suffering and you thought God was gone. And the next day, He was right there. He was right there. When it got dark, you thought, I have no hope. When you were suffering your deepest moment of distress and grief, the sun set and you thought it was over. Wait a minute. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Wait for the sunrise. Wait for the sunrise in your suffering and live in the love of God. And remember, this is for me. This is in my relationships with others. Crushing the prisoner, depriving a man of justice, and defrauding someone in their case, the Most High sees it. And He will deal properly with those who do such things. I believe that's a message for all government authorities. And I believe that is the message for us tonight. For the Lord will not reject forever, for if He causes grief, then He will have compassion according to His loving kindness. Can anybody say amen to that? To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near the door. Come, Lord Jesus. God bless you all. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for walking with me through these wonderful words of Jeremiah. My, how they teach us and how they help us. Well, we'll continue on, Lord willing, in the days ahead. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this evening and we thank You for Your grace and mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ. Your loving kindness never cease through Jesus Christ. Your compassions never fail through the Lord Jesus Christ. They are new every morning. When we are at our deepest moment of distress and sorrow, You are there. You are there. You, you grieve us lovingly to see us transformed into Christ-likeness. You do not reject us in our suffering and you, you do not do things cruelly to us, but you do them to us for our own good and for, our pur for your purposes. May we see that. May we see that in the suffering church all around the world. May we see what you are doing. May we see what the world does not see. May we see the unseen by faith. May we know that in the sufferings that come in our lives and in our friends' lives and our families, those who follow Jesus, they have a purpose. The sufferings that come to those who are in their sins, it is so that they might call out and repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ while there is time. Their sufferings are a megaphone. Turn. Turn from your ways. I pray that you would help us to be a church of the heart. I pray that you would help us to be burdened and grieved by the lostness around us. And may we see how we can share the gospel with others along the way. We love you and we thank you for all you do for us. It is good for us to have been in your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you. And Lord willing, see you Sunday as the Lord teaches us to pray. Say hello to somebody on your way out. Have a great rest of the week.